Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and a great river of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is, it which passes the whole land of Havala, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedlam and the Oxon stone, and the name of the second river is Gahon, and the same is that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hedakai, that is it which goes towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. How the ground of the, of the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he should call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, I want to just talk to you a few minutes this morning, if I can, please, about the how to put music back in, or meaning back into your marriage. Uh, there's so much trouble in marriages uh, this day and time. Uh, I had the wonderful privilege this past week. I wished I could take everybody to the church with me sometime when I have to deal with the some situations, but there was a man and his wife having some problems, and they asked me to come and, and just deal with them, and so I went in the home and sat down. I wish you could have just been there, because the man, he didn't have nothing to do with me. And the, the wife was sitting over crying, and she said, Pastor, we just, we, we, it looks like we're going to get a divorce if something don't happen. It looks like we're going to part if something don't happen. I said, well, let's pray. He went in the kitchen, flam, flam, flam around. She said, well, I guess he's going to fix him some dinner. In a few minutes, I waited for about a half hour, I guess, for him to come back. He came back in and sold up and sat on the couch. And, and so I began to read him some scripture. I said, now look, bud, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to aggravate you. I'm here to help you. And anyhow, I got to talking with him in the scriptures. In a few minutes, the Lord broke both of them's heart. And uh, broke her heart especially. And she got up crying, went over and took him by the hand and said, honey, I love you. 
he jumped up and grabbed her and started hugging her. I eased out the door and left. And that's the time to leave, by the way. And so I, it's a wonderful thing to see God work in marriages, getting things straightened out. But there's never been a time that I've been faced with so much trouble in marriages. Now I want to show you some things in the Bible that I believe are taught. How to put that goodness back in to a marriage. And, and I hope that I can cover a lot of it this morning. Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, uh, where we just read, here's the story of the first family. Now, this was an unusual family. Uh, one of the reasons it's unusual is they didn't have any in-laws. Think about that for a minute. Adam couldn't uh, compare Eve's cooking to anybody else's cooking either. I mean, he, had to, uh, he couldn't compare it to his mother even, or her mother, and uh, so on. And not only did they have, didn't have any in-laws, they didn't have any competition. Eve couldn't tell Eve, Adam of all the men she could have married because there wasn't any more. One time Eve said to Adam, do you really love me? And Adam said, who else, you know? And so there wasn't any more. Now, the, the, this marriage was different than all other marriages in several ways. There are some eternal truths taught here also, and I believe they'll help us put meaning in our marriage. Now, I believe that we need this more today than ever in, in my life anyhow, because divorce is a natural epidemic. A magazine titled Marriage and Divorce gave a statistic and said one out of every three marriages in America are in and in divorce. But in America, marriages that begin in church, and just in a church now, one out of 50 ended in divorce. Where both husband and wife were married in a church where they attended regularly and have some kind of family devotions one out of 1,005 ended in divorce. Now, I believe that that should tell us something, shouldn't it? Family ought to be churchgoers in. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25, here's God's pattern and God's purpose in marriage. Let's see if we can from this what God says about the home. Where did God institute marriage? Why did he institute marriage? What is the purpose of marriage? Now, God gave marriage in the home to meet the, the deepest emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual needs of man. Uh, Marriage did not begin in an atheistic cave man-like style. The evolutionist wants to picture a caveman with a club and a wild-looking woman and a wild-looking man and him clubbing overhead and dragging her around uh, back down when marriage really began. That's not the truth. In fact, scientists are coming up with more and more evidence that that first generation back there was far and more advanced than we are today. And I believe that. I wouldn't have any problems with that. doesn't make any difference one way or the other, but I know one thing. They were not cave people. God made the most perfect human beings back then before sin uh, ever got its strangled hold on mankind. 
Now, three things we need to see here. Number one, the purpose of marriage. Verse 18. Look at verse 18 of chapter 2 of Genesis. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. Added needed, Adam needed a companion to fellowship with. He could not fellowship with animals. Now, I know a lot of people today that try to make up that difference. They try to get a dog or a cat or... Uh, now they're getting spiders and snakes. Now, I don't know how they're going to fellowship with them, but uh, the people do. They, they have them in play with. I saw on the news the other day a man had a big old uh, tarantula and let him crawl over and play with him. I got something to fix him. But uh, the whole thing is, I, I don't know what... The only thing that I can say, people are trying to replace that need that's in man by other things and in woman. Now, the purpose of marriage is given in verse 18. Man is not to live alone. Man needs a help meet. Look at verse 19 and 20. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found unhelp meat for him. Now notice the word but in verse 20. But for Adam uh, there was not found a help meat for him. After Adam saw these animals and named them, and all of them had mates or help meats, if you would please, but Adam had none. Mr. Elephant had a Mrs. Elephant. Mr. Lion had a Mrs. Lion. Mr. Frog had a Mrs. Lion and so on. But the Adam didn't have any. He didn't have a help meat. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. So here is after God created the desire in Adam for a, a helpmate. Verse 21 says that God created one for him and brought her to him. Now look at verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now if you'll study the Hebrew words, this phase Adam uses in verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, is the same thing that we fellows would say when we first saw our sweetheart. Wow, she's something else. That's the same thing that he's saying here. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Now, Adam had been looking for uh, or at giraffes and lizards and snakes and, and all kind of animals. Now he sees his wife for the first time and he expresses this with great joy. Now think of all of this. Adam had been walking and talking with God in fellowship in the garden, yet there's an unmet need there's an unmet desire. And God gave to Adam a wife. God gave to Eve a husband. God did not give. Now, now, if you'll stay with me, I think that it'll help you understand some things of what happens to marriages. God did not give Eve a father. God gave Eve a husband. 
God did not give Eve a brother, a playmate. God did not give Eve a son yet to watch over. But God gave to Eve a husband. And that husband was there to meet that deep need that she had and he had for companionship and partnership. Therefore, marriage is the highest, the deepest, the most insoluble of all human relationships. I want you to look with me in verse 23 and verse 24. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother. Now, get a hold of this. Therefore, is always put there for purpose. Therefore, is what has just been said because of this, because of what has just been said, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They shall be one flesh. They shall leave father and mother. Now note with me just a minute, if you would please, the relationship between husband and wife is a closer bonding than between parent and children. When the Bible says leave father and mother, this doesn't necessarily mean that you, if you live in Florida, you've got to move to Georgia to get away from your father and mother. It does mean that you are not to be more emotionally tied and bound to your parents than you are to your husband and to your wife. For instance, I had a couple that I was dealing with and they finally got a divorce. The reason that they got a divorce, they had a little girl. That little girl was about nine years old. The little girl became the woman's, how shall I say it, without you misunderstand him, but she let the little girl take the place of her husband. Everything that the woman would want to do, she'd ask the little girl, nine years old now, when I got involved in it, nine years old, what do you think? Instead of going to her husband. Getting a nine years old response, me and your daddy's thinking about getting a divorce, what do you think? You don't ask the nine-year-old girl, those kind of questions. You don't get them involved in your financial matters. And do you think we ought to buy a car or not? What do you think? Do you think we ought to buy a house or pay rent? What do you think? What she had done, she had let the little girl take the place of her husband and wife relationship. Do you know I know a lot of people that do that? A lot of people have a child and they forget that the most important thing that ever come into your life is your husband or your wife, not your children. Now, I thank God for every one of my children. I know you do too. But I'm going to tell you one thing. If you ever learn this truth, it'll hold your marriage together. You're to leave father and mother when you get married. Now, listen. Some parents live hundreds of miles from their children. Yet they're still emotionally tied to them, bound to them, and they can't turn them loose. They can't turn their children loose. Now this does not mean that you're not to respect both parents. You can respect your parents without being bound to them. The failure of many marriages is that they fail to cut the emotional strings to the parents. 
And a mama's boy is just as bad as a daddy's girl. Both can be deadly to a marriage. One man went into the vet's office and told the veterinarian, I want you to cut this dog's tail off. And the doctor said, Well, how far do you want me to cut it off? And he said, Just as close as you can because I don't want any evidence of a welcome when my mother-in-law comes next month. <laughs> You'll get the hang of that in a minute. But that's, that's a good one. I like that. Now, do you know what statistics have proven a lot of times it's not the mother of the bride that causes problems. It's the mother of the groom. Sometimes the mother of the man hasn't found the love she would normally get from her husband, so she finds an unnatural attachment to her son. So you have two women vying for the affections of the same man. One woman said, my mother-in-law has an inferiority complex. She's always interfering. Now there's two times in-laws are real problems in marriage. When husband and wife first get married and they're trying to establish their independence in the first part of their marriage, then in the last part of their marriage when their parents are becoming more independent on them, these are the times you really, really got to pray. Now when the Bible says you are to leave father and mother, that doesn't mean now that you are not to honor father and mother. I wish you would get a hold of this because I've, I've been where it's the extreme the other way. That you leave father and mother, I'll have nothing to do with father and mother, and I've seen them, you know, mistreated greatly. I believe this with all my soul. We would not need rest homes. We would not need Social Security. We'd not need all the things if we'd take care of our own. Now, I believe that. So don't you go out of here saying contrary to what I'm teaching here. I want to take care of mine, and I know you do too. Now, the Bible makes it very clear, though, that we are to honor our father and mother, yet at the same time, we are to leave them. Because God made man and woman for one another in a very special way. Now, that doesn't necessarily leave them out of your life. That means leave them out of your marriage. Leave them out of your marriage. I never will forget that when I first got married, I came home from work one day and found my wife in the kitchen crying. I went over to her and I said, what's wrong? She said, nothing. I said, yes, there is. And I don't know what it is. And she finally ended up, I cried it out of her that Mama had been over and she said, well, your mother came over today and she said, you don't wash my boys' clothes like I wash my boys' clothes. You don't cook my boys' dinner like I cook my boys' dinner. And Mama could be sort of tough because she had four boys and she loved them. And she didn't like no girls being around her boys. That's just the way it was. And, and, so, and, and I, I got in my car. I went over to Mama's house. I sat down. I said, Mama, I love you. Don't you ever, ever come into my house again and talk to my wife like that. She's my wife. And she's my cook. And she's my washer of my clothes now. And she take care of me very fine, thank you. And you're welcome in my home forever. But don't you ever talk to my wife, her again. And as far as I know, she didn't. But I'm going to tell you something. 
a lot of mothers will tear home up by telling the wife, I do my son better than you do. You better get that mother out of that home. And I don't mean uh, put her in South Georgia or Alabama or New York or somewhere away from That's not it at all. She can live right across the street. She can live in the yard with you. She can live next door to you, but not in your marriage. Now, what is the purpose of marriage? It is not good that men be alone. That's what the Bible said. Now, God made marriage where that man might have his deepest emotional, physical, spiritual, and psychological needs met. Vice versa, the woman. This same is true for the women. Now, before I was in the ministry, I didn't know women are like they are. I, I, I learned a great deal being in the ministry dealing with women in women problems. I thank God for my wife. I, I couldn't, that's the reason that the Bible said, did you know the Bible teaches that a man ought not to be a pastor unless he has a wife? You know why? There's a lot of problems that the preacher can't handle. And he needs his wife to help him with it. And one of them is in women problems. And so I didn't know that women had certain feelings till I began to deal with women with their problems as a pastor and they began to tell me, I said, wait a minute, they have the same kind of feelings men have. Now, the second thing, coming out of the purpose of marriage, the partnership of marriage. Look at verse 18 again with me, please. <coughs> I will make him a helpmeet for him. Did you know what that simply means? That means a helper like himself. Sometimes we jokingly say about our husbands and wives that that's my other half. But truthfully, that's true. Adam without Eve was like a violin without a bow. So God gave Eve to Adam to make up that part of Adam that was lacking. Eve was to be Adam's completer, not his competitor. Now, one of the things, one of the great problems with marriages today is that women are not the completer of the husband anymore, they're the competitor of the husband anymore. Rather than being in cooperation with them, the Hebrew word for woman here is Aishai, and the Hebrew word for man is Ish. Now, the word Aishai for woman comes from an Arabic root meaning to be soft. God built femity, and I might not be saying that word right, but you understand what I'm talking about, daintiness in a woman. God made her that way. If a woman gets out of that, she's out of her element. The word ish for man comes from an Arabic root which simply means to exercise power. God put masculinity then into men. I suppose one of the, I don't know any other word to say it, putrefying sights I've ever saw. I went to deal with a family that had problems the other day and the woman was there and and sitting in the house with her was two somethings. They was not women, they were not men. They were lesbians. And they were trying to be men 
And this woman had been to have an affair with him, the husband of this man. I said, there's no hope here. Uh, they really aren't. And there was no hope there. Here is two women dressed like men, talk like men, act like men, trying to take the man's place. You can't do it. Now the Bible teaches that God made them different. Why? That he might make them one. If you'll think just a little bit about that difference, I believe that if you'll go with me through this thing, you'll understand a great deal about more about the woman and of the man. Like one man said about man and woman, 200 times zero is still zero. And man without woman and woman without man is still zero. There's not only the companionship, there's the partnership. And by the way, there are those who are trying to make heaven and earth to remove the difference between, or trying to move heaven and earth to remove the difference between men and woman to make it uh, the same. A couple of years ago, some city, I forgot which it was, was having a contest to rename the manhole covers in that city because the feminists today said we don't want to call them manhole covers anymore. Someone said we'll have a contest. We'll name them personhole covers. Then they said that won't do because person is still in there. The word son is in there. And what are we going to do now? These women who went to change the name of everything, what are you going to do with a woman word woman? You got the word man in there. I guess they'll just have to call them whole persons, but that won't do either because you got son in there. You end up calling them whoopers. And, uh, uh, but I want, to, I want to give you something. You know what one of the suggestions of the manhole covers were? Sewer viewers. That's what they ended up calling them in that city. Instead of manhole covers, they're sewer viewers. Now listen, God made men to be men. God made women to be women. And the difference is in the sexes is right here in this story in Genesis chapter 2, the word of God. It's obvious that man is the provider, the woman is the encourager. Look at verse 15 with me of this chapter. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He's a provider. Now God said to Adam, you're going to be the provider. You're going to dress and keep the garden. Then God made the woman, then God said to the woman, you're to be a fitting helper to him. You are to encourage him. You are to stand by his side. Man is the provider. Woman is the encourager. Now that's God's original plan. Man is to be the protector. Woman is to be the nurturer. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow that shall bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. Now, the man is to lead, to guide, to protect. Therefore, God made the man physically strong because that's the realm that man lives in. But God made the woman to be soft, to be gentle, to be tender, because she's the life giver. And anyone, when any 
emotional sense can see its bread unto man, its bread unto woman. For instance, let, let me give you something now. Have you ever... I remember when my wife would go shopping or something or go grocery shopping. I mean, she never left our children very long. And I thank God for that. But she she would go off and leave me. I, I never will forget. I, you talk about hurt. Man, I was hurt. But I come in and uh, tired on Friday evening. I give my paycheck to my wife. And she said, well, I'm going to go get cash and go buy groceries. Will you watch Cheryl? I'll tell you what. You think Cheryl's crazy? I'll tell you why. And uh, so I, I, I laid her on the bed. And she wet her diaper and so on. You don't see me trying to change a diaper. But I changed her diaper and I laid her on the bed and I lay down and sound asleep. She rolled off on the floor, off our bed. And when she did, I went berserk. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is the femininity, the way that a woman takes care of a baby. Man's not built for that. His clumsy hands, his clumsy everything about him. Man's not built for that. Woman is. God made it that way. Now, man tends to think logically with their heads. Woman thinks emotionally with her heart. Now, that's not to say that women, what women think is not right. Don't you go out of here, woman, and now some of you women and be uh, mad at me because it's the truth. You think with me a minute. A man by nature, as a breadwinner, as a protector, is goal-oriented. A man will see the gold and he will see this, the steps in order to get there or set the steps in order to get there in his mind and that's the way he works. He doesn't necessarily think of the way people will feel about what he's doing. If he does, it's a secondary issue with him, not the woman. The woman not only will she see the, the goal, but beyond the goal she thinks how the people are going to feel about that. They think, now, if he does that, someone will get their feelings hurt. Woman, then, just thinks with her heart. Men thinks with their heads. Now, which is the right way and which is the wrong? If all I've got in my mind is to protect my wife and provide my wife and to get the job done and get her a home and get her a place to stay, if that's all I'm thinking about up here, and my wife thinks now... I want him to be careful because I don't want him to hurt nobody's feelings. I, and watch what you're doing now, hey? And be careful what you say to people. And, and so she's thinking with her heart. I'm thinking, hey, which one is right? They're both right. That's why God put them together. You need both. Now the point is, then, they both need one another. A woman has what we call intuition. A woman knows what's going on without knowing what's going on. It's a gift from God. You ask my girls, you ask my boy. Now, the other day, my wife called my boy and said, How you getting along? How's it going with you? He wouldn't tell her. But she knew something was going on. You know what it was? You got a traffic ticket. But she knew it. She knew it enough that she wanted to call and find out how things are going. A woman has that intuition. I wish I had it sometime, but I don't. But I know women do. And, and so that's a gift of God. Men and women are to be partners. God built something into a man that a man wants to take risks. 
Now why does he take risks? Because the way to achieve in life is to take risks. The man says, let's try it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. The woman being the homemaker, God made her to be, being the nurturer, God made her to be, she's not so interested in taking risks. She's interested in creating beauty and gentleness and security. Most women would rather have security than have an even greater success. They're to be partners in. God built something into the man where the man wants to take risks. Now, why does he take risks? Because that's the way to achieve in life. So the man says, let's try it, let's do it, let's go for it. The woman, being the homemaker, God made her to be, being a nurturer, God made her to be. She's not interested in taking risks. She's interested in creating something beautiful. My wife cleans our house so many times that she don't want to speck a dirt around it. She wants everything just right. I care less. And I guess you'd notice if you'd follow me around the house, I throw my coat down here, I play my tie in, and she'll come right along, pick it up, put it up. She said, don't put that there. They don't look good there. What if somebody walked in? I care less if they walk in. And, but she wants everything just right. And I know you women do too. But us fellas don't. Hey, you know why? Now listen. Most women had rather have security than more success. Now, because God has given her a nesting instinct. God has given him a productive instinct instinct. So men takes risks. Women want security. Men have the desire and the instinct to see the big picture. Women have the desire and the instinct to see details. Now here's how it works. A man comes home and says, honey, I've just took all our life savings and bought a franchise and a pizza parlor. We're going to get rich, but we must move to Atlanta. The woman begins to cry, and he says, why? That is what we've been waiting for all these years. She says, we can't move. The kids are in school. Junior has a dental appointment. We've just painted a house. She sees the, the, the different view than he sees. Now, let me ask you something, though. Which one is right? Both are right. Both are right. It's very important that you understand that both are right. Now I want you to get this. Number one, he sure told her wrong about it. I, this is where I think that a lot of marriages falter. God says that man made woman first. You know what I've had men to do? Drag, literally drag their wives by the arm in the mouth. You tell them, preacher. You tell them. It's in the Bible. You tell them. Man is the head of the house, right? Because God made man first. Okay. But then you sit him down in a few minutes. I said, but God took a rib out from under where, sir? Not from out from under your feet. And not out from over your head. God took a rib out from your side. That is, she's to walk alongside of you, not under your feet. She's to be your help meet. It's not to be stomped on. And a lot of men think, because God made man first, that that's the way it ought to be. No, both are very important. Now, 
The man tends to be more insensitive, more woman tends to be more sensitive. On the other hand, the woman is very sympathetic. She is very sensitive. God made her that way. She is fitting helper for that man. She needs to learn how to more be more sensitive to though a wife can sense a wrong where a man cannot see it. We need that. I need to. We we as husbands need to know. Be more concerned about people's feelings. Our help meet can help us do that, because she is more sensitive. Oh. Wife can sense a wrong where a man cannot see it. What I mean is, she might sense someone is doing her husband wrong. He said, no, that's all right. She said, no, I just don't trust this situation. And nine out of ten times, fellas, she's right. And if you listen, she can help you. And I know from experience, and I know some of you know from experience, that's true. Now the man tends to be more defensive. He tends to be more suspicious. Why is that? Because he's a protector. And when you're the protector, you've got to be more suspicious of things. But the woman tends to be more trusting why? Because God made her the nurturer, the life giver. The woman knows how to forgive. She'll forgive the children over and over again. She'll even forgive her husband when he does her dirty. But her husband says, why do you trust that person? They're always trying to hurt us. Well, that's stupid to trust them again. You see, that's defensive because he must protect his family. And you might as well face it, men and women are different. Let me read you a little thing about a man and a woman courting. A boy and a girl were sitting on the front porch of a little country home. Down in the valley was a country church, and they're having a choir practice. There was a big yellow moon in the sky, and the air was fragrant with the blossoming of the honeysuckle. Inquire was practicing, and the yellow light was streaming out the windows of the little church, and the strings of the music of the choir was making their way over the valley to where the couple was sitting on the front porch on the old swing. Underneath the porch were some crickets that were chirping. Now she had her mind on his choir practice. Listen to that music. He, thinking of fishing, had his mind on the crickets. She said, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? He said, it really is. She said, I don't think I've ever heard anything quite so lovely. He said, yeah. He said, you know, they make that noise by rubbing their hind legs together. <laughs> I read that and I think, you know, I've had that a lot of times. I've been there, all right? Now, if anyone is listening, if anybody, the preacher said, Men don't have any brains, or women don't have any brains. If you listen to that kind of garbage, then that's not what is taught in the Scripture. God made man. God gave him intelligence. 
God gave him a purpose in life. God also created woman. Equally, he created her, and God gave her brains. God gave her everything that God wanted her to have. Now, the message here then is God made men to be men. God made women to be women. God said it's not good that man be alone. I will make her, him a helpmeet for him. Now, this is a partnership in marriage. Now, we've talked about the purpose. We've talked about the partnership. Now, let's talk about one other thing. The preeminence of marriage. Verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now the word cleave in verse 24 in the Hebrew means weld like you weld something together or to glue like you would glue two pieces of paper together. Now here's God's principle to keep us from having a broken home. And I believe with all my soul that God does not want broken homes because broken homes produce broken human beings and on and on. God's plan is for one man, one man, for one woman, till death do us part. Do you know what the cause of most divorce is? Better Homes and Gardens had a survey that got back 300,000 responses. They ask this 300,000, what is the number one problem in marriage and what is the number two problem in marriage? You know what it says? Immaturity, number one. Selfishness, number two. Men and women, when it comes to marriage, ask them, what is it for us? They don't do that. They say, what is it for me? What's in it for me? When it comes to incompatibility, let me, let me give you this and I'll quit. That word glue, that word weld, Listen to verse 24. There shall a man cleave unto his father, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave or be glued. Take two pieces of paper. Glue them together. Here's a man that says, I'm going to tear away from my wife. Here's a woman that says, I'm going to tear away from my husband. You do, and what do you do? You tear both pieces of paper. God said, I made them to be one. If you tear them apart, you're going to hurt both. And you can't do it without hurting both. That's the preeminence of marriage. I want to finish if I can next week. Because I know this is the most needed thing in America today. Because it's the number one problem that a pastor has to deal with all the time. And that is trouble in marriages or with kids or with the family or the wife or the husband has to do with the family. And I believe it can be sweet if we understand our roles and play the roles that God has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless in the coming hour that we have. We're so excited about this being Mother's Day. Bless us now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.